It's always exciting to be in the house of God, and I'm thankful that you are with us today. We had a phenomenal first service, and I give God all the praise and all the glory for that. I do want to welcome all of you that are here at the Eden campus, and those of you that are at the River campus, and those of you that are watching online, and those of you that are listening by radio. We want to welcome you today, and thank you for tuning in, being with us here at this great church, to be able to listen to the Word of God today that I pray will absolutely change your life. So today we've been in a sermon series that we've been talking about for the last few weeks and it's called, say it with me everybody, the fate of the wicked. I do want to tell you uh, that I wrestled with God about that. I fought with God about that. I said, God, you know what? Uh, this is not one that I'm real jazzed about. And I tried every way to get out of it. But guess who won? God did. So you're the recipient of God winning uh, the argument over speaking about that. Now, today, I do want to pay you to ca cause you to pay attention to the title. It is the fate of the wicked. And the big idea is this. What happens to wicked people? And we've been discussing that. Uh, We've been talking about that for the last few Sundays. And so today, I want to encourage you, if you would, take out your pen or pencil and write down a few things that I'm about to share with you as we prepare ourselves to open the Word of God and we're going to learn together today. Now, the first thing I want you to write down is to realize that when you look at life and you look at people, there's really only two categories of people. Now, write this down. There is the category of the people that is called the righteous people. Now, now now you may say, Brother Jackie, I, I don't qualify for that. I'm not of the righteous group. Uh, maybe you would say, I, don't, I can't live good enough. You know, I, I'm not, I always mess up. Uh, but the righteous is not based off what you do, but it's based off what God has done in his son, Jesus Christ. So we realize that we have a group called the group called the righteous ones. Now I want you to remember this. The righteous ones are those people that have asked Jesus in their heart. They come to that place in their life to where they've trusted in the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. Uh, they've opened their mouth. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you'll believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says whosoever will can call upon the name of the Lord. The word of God says there is none righteous, no, not one, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would call upon him uh, would be saved. And we know that. We know that God loves us that way. And so when we come to Jesus and we open our heart and we recognize that he is the only way of salvation, there is some wonderful things that happens to us. Now write this down. First of all, your sins are forgiven. The Bible tells us that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we confess him as the Savior and the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. We believe that he is the only one that could save us from our sins. When we call on him, our sins are forgiven. Can I get an amen? The Bible not only tells us that our sins are forgiven, but the Bible says that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So when you ask Jesus in your heart, your sins are immediately forgiven and, and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God, hallelujah for that, amen. 
But not only that, you are clothed with the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you come to know Jesus as your Savior, guys, are you listening to me? Say amen. It's an exciting moment. You know what God does? He takes your filthy rags of righteousness off you, and he places on you his righteousness because of Jesus. Can you imagine that? What God does is he takes away the dirty, sinful rags that we have, and he puts on us the pure white robe of righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus and guys the Bible says that for the righteous to be when we come to the end of our life and we draw our last breath the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be say it with me present with the Lord can you even begin to imagine that what it's like to, to be at the end of your life and by, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and you think about this you're at the end of your life and you draw your last breath and immediately you're with Jesus. How awesome is that, y'all? How many of you are looking forward to that glorious day? Can we give God praise for that? How exciting that is. How exciting that is. So, so there's a group of people called the righteous people, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And then there's a group called the wicked. The wicked now, now, when we think about that, we begin our journey as we study together. We begin our journey by saying, why do the wicked seem to prosper? And that's, a, that's an age-old question. Why is it that everybody that's wicked seems to be getting ahead? Uh, there's people that have asked that question repetitively from the beginning of time. Why do the wicked prosper when I'm struggling? Why is it that everybody that's living wrong seems to be getting the right stuff and I'm trying to live right and I have the wrong things? Why is it that when you look at the wicked, it seems like they're winning and I'm losing? And that's a question that so many people have asked. And what we've done, we've established the fact that no matter who you are, no matter who you are or what you've done, you will always have a but God moment. A moment where God will step into your life. And when God steps into your life, that but God moment will define time and eternity for you. You see, you can be wicked. You can have it all. You can climb the ladder of success. You can have all the money in the bank. You can seem like everything is going good for you. But there'll come a time in your life when there'll be a statement, but God... And we talked about that. What happens when the wicked are laying on their deathbed and the doctors say these things? We can't do nothing else. The cancer has spread. The disease is terminal. And we've done all that we can do. And we talked about that last Sunday. What is it like when you're a wicked person and you've rejected God and rejected Jesus and you've lived for this world only the doctor walks in and says, we can't do anything else. And then today, we're going to take another journey. And that is this, the fate of the wicked, the moment eternity begins. The moment, everybody say that with me, the what? The moment. Now, I want to take you somewhere. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Uh, I want to take you somewhere. You're a wicked person. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You say things like this, I don't have time for God. I've got to live my own life. I've got things to do, places to go, people to meet. Man, you know what? I'm just going to live it up and do it my way. And there will come a moment when you will be at that place of death. 
and your heart will start racing and it'll beat fast and you will be gasping for air and all of a sudden life will leave your body and it will be silent. And everybody in the room will be there and it will be a still silence that's almost frightening. And then somebody will say these words, he's gone or she's gone. And all of a sudden, something happens in the mind of people at that moment that no matter who you are, it's a disturbing moment because all of a sudden you're faced with a reality Life on this earth is over. They're gone. Now, I've sit at the bedside of a lot of people and watched that happen. And I've sat beside the righteous people that know God, and I don't know how to explain it, but I can tell you from honest truth, I've watched people that know Jesus die. And it's like when they die, they their corpse has a peace about them. It's like when you look at a person that knows Jesus and, and they know that they're about to go into eternity and even though they may struggle to get a hold of life, they, but somehow, some way, uh, they, they change over into eternity. And David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and they, thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But not so for the wicked. I've watched the wicked people die. And I've seen that on their corpse, it's like a terror. It's like a corpse of agony. I remember as a boy, my mom and dad would talk about, it. we lived in the country, and uh, man, there wasn't many houses around us. And I remember my mom and dad would talk about a guy who lived down the road, and he was a wicked man, and, and he was at his last days. And they could they tell me they would tell me about sitting on the front porch of our house and listening to him scream, scream out in agony and, and fear. And he would they 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 would tell me that that this man they could hear him scream while he was in his house on his deathbed, and they would be sitting on the porch, and he would be screaming they're coming to get me my feet are burning right now help me help me and I remember my mom and dad telling me that you could hear his screams echo in the darkness of night and I thought wow take your Bible if you would and let's see if we can put the pieces together today what happens to the wicked at the point of death when eternity, for the first time ever, no matter who you are, for the first time ever, your breath leaves your body, and for the first time ever, you discover that you were not just created for time, but that God had created you for eternity. Your soul and your spirit leaves your body. You're conscious, you know everything, but there is something radical taking place. For the first time ever in your life, you begin to consciously realize, oh my goodness, I was not just created for this world, but God created me for a purpose, and 
and a plan and, and God created me for eternity and all of a sudden you take your last breath on this earth and you wake up in eternity. And the Bible says in the book of Psalms, Psalm 73 verse 18, are you with me? Say amen. Surely thou didst set them in what? Say it together, slippery places. Now it's almost as if the writer, because we've exegeted that, that, that Psalms as we begin this journey, but it's almost as if the psalmist is saying that for the wicked, they're, they're slipping through. There's something that's slipping through their, their hands. It's like they're trying to hold on to this world and the things of this world, but, but the psalmist is indicating that the more they try to hang on, the more the things are slipping through their grips they're trying to hold on to this world and no matter how hard they try to hold on to it their, their, their grip is slipping and it's like sand that running through your fingers you cannot hold on to it and the Bible says that they slip away and the Bible says that they go down into destruction now notice the next verse because the next verse is a powerful verse. It says how they're brought into desolation as in a what, everybody? A moment. Not, not a day, not an hour, uh, not a month, not a week, but in a moment. That very moment when all of a sudden time is overtaken by eternity and you step from this world into the other world and the Bible says in a moment they are consumed with terrors. Underline that in your Bible. It's not singular, it's plural. That all of a sudden the wicked slip from this world into eternity and the Bible says that they're brought down into desolation and the Bible says that they are consumed with terrors. Then the Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Can I tell you ladies and gentlemen, America has forgotten God. And we're living in a world today that, oh, my soul, if there's ever been a time that we need a revival that's going to penetrate the hearts of men and women and boys and girls, it's the day and hour we live in today. We need a revival that's sent from God, from the sacred desk of God, anointed by the Spirit of God, penetrating the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen, turn to Jesus before it's too late. That's the message that needs to come. And people will say, Brother Jackie, you can't preach on that. That's not going to be popular. Folks are not going to come and listen to that. My friend, I owe this to you to tell you people that don't know Jesus will slip into the terrors of hell. Amen. And if I don't tell you, I stand guilty. So today, I want to take you on a journey. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. I want to take you on a journey today just to kind of get a piece of it. What happens when you take your last breath? What happens when you don't know Jesus? What happens when you live your life for you and you don't think about eternity? The first thing I want us to think about is the unpleasant welcome. The unpleasant welcome. You ever been to a place you didn't feel welcome? Anybody in here ever been to a place that you just thought, man, I don't fit, I don't I'm not welcome here? It's really weird to be in that place, isn't it? It's kind of strange to walk into a place and you're going, man, you know what? Uh, I just don't feel like I'm welcome here and, and I just don't feel like I fit in and I feel like a square peg in a round hole and, and I just feel like that, that, you know what? I don't belong here. Did you know that when you die without Jesus, you're going to a place you're not welcome to be at? Think about it for just a moment. 
The Bible says that God created man and woman and he created them in the image of God. He created he, them. The Bible says that every single one of you, that when God formed you and God made you and God created you, the Bible says that you are formed in your mother's womb by the sovereign hand of God. He took you and molded you and shaped you. He formed you the way he wanted you to be. There's nobody on this world like you. You, you are a special person. The handiwork of God worked in the womb of your mama to make you like you are. He gave you that pretty little nose and those cute little eyes. And, and all that. He made you and formed you and he said when he got through, what I've done with you is the, is the crowning work of my creation. And he says to us, I created you in my image. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. How many of you believe the devil hates God? Amen. How many of you believe that every demon in hell hates God? Think about this. God created you in his image and you end up going to this place. The Bible says that, gay, that hell has gates. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, we don't have to look there yet, but just keep it on the screen. The Bible says in the book of Matthew that, that God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can you imagine the moment that you slip into eternity? Walking up to the gates of hell and them saying to you, you're not welcome here. We hate you. We detest you. You're not supposed to be here. This is not your place. You were created in the image of God. Every time we look at you, we're, we get mad. We get angry because every time we look at you, we are reminded that there is a God. We hate you. You're talking about being unwelcome in a place that you don't belong. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, he shall say to them on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared, somebody tell me, for the devil and his angels. The Bible says that God does not have pleasure in the death of the wicked. God, God does not want any of us to go to that place. He's done everything he can do to keep you out of there. And hell was not prepared for you. You're not going to be welcome there. Can you imagine being in a place for eternity that you don't belong, that you're not welcome at. The devil hates you. The demons hate you. Everybody hates you. No love, no compassion. You don't belong. So you're going to be faced at the moment that you draw your last breath. You're going to be faced to go to a place you're not welcome. And then secondly, can you imagine the anguish of the torments? Can you imagine that moment when, when you close your eyes and all of a sudden we understand that the Bible gives us an indication of what that's going to be like? And the Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 16, if you open your Bible there, you begin to immediately understand that this is not a place of parties. This is not a place of, of, of happy times. This is a place of torments. 
And the Bible tells us about this place in the book of Luke, chapter 16, and, and verse number 19. You'll notice there in the Word of God that Jesus himself gives us an indication, and we're going to be talking about this in the weeks to come. But notice there in verse number 19, he says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the came and licked his sores. Obviously, Lazarus did not have a good life on this earth. Obviously, he struggled, and there was a rich man who obviously looked like he had it made, but Lazarus had his faith in Jesus, and the Bible says that it came to pass, that the beggar died, was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And look at verse number 23. Everybody say it together with me. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in what church? And he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in, in water and cool my tongue. Say it with me, everybody, for I am tormented in his flames. I remember being in Destin a few years ago when we were on vacation and, and I went out to the poolside and there was this guy out there and he was hanging out and I just kind of, you know, I'm a little bit of an introvert. It's hard for me to meet people, but I finally forced my way over to talk to him and, and as I went to talk to him, I just kind of got, got in this place where I said to him, hey, you know what, do you, do you go to church or are you a Christian? This is what he said to me. He, this is what he said to me, y'all. He said, I'm going to hell. And I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, I'm going to hell. Uh, he said this to me. That's where all my friends are. And I said, sir, you really mean that? Oh, yeah, that's where all my buds are. And I'm thinking, do you really think that you're going to show up in hell when you die and they're going to go, hey, Bob, it's good to see you, man. We've been waiting on you. Party up. It's time, baby. This is the place that we let down our hair. Drinks are on us, man. Hey, we've been waiting on you, man. Come on in. It's the, we're going to have the time of your life. All the drinks you want, all the sex you need. Man, it's going to be crazy good here. You're going to enjoy this place. Do you really think that? No. The Bible says when this man went to hell, he was in torments. Now, now pay attention. The Bible says that he could see. He, he could see. Now, I don't understand all that, but the Bible says he saw Abraham afar off. Can you imagine going into this place and you can see all this? You can see the torment. You can see all this junk. The Bible says that he could hear. He could hear. Abraham spoke back to him, and he, he could consciously hear what he said. Uh, you, you notice there that, that when he went there, he, he, could, he could see, he could hear, he could feel, he could feel. What if, what if today, y'all, I had this candle up here and I lit it and I said, hey, I'll tell you what I want you to do, guys. Everybody here, listen to me. Let's all huddle up for a minute. I got this lit candle. It's just one flame. I want somebody to come up here and put your finger in that flame and keep it there for a minute. I wonder how many people would say, oh, sign me up for that one. If you did that, we would need to call the psychiatric ward. You are crazy. Because nobody would put their finger in a flame 
and keep it there for a minute. But can you imagine being in hell tormented in flames forever? You ever been thirsty? You ever been dry to the bone? Have you ever said this? I'm dying for a drink. You ever done that? Can you imagine being in a place that you are begging somebody to put their finger in water and just put a drop on your tongue? Can you imagine what it would be like to be so thirsty that you would say, you would be screaming out, would somebody get a drop of water and just bring it and let me feel water again? I'm tormented in the flames. Can you imagine being dry and thirsty all of eternity with no hope of even a drop of water on your tongue. You say, Brother Jackie, we don't want to hear that. Well, we got you in here. We ain't letting you out. What I want you to understand is that there is anguish of torments in that place. Can you imagine the third thing which is profound to me is the pain of memory. When you step over into this place called eternity without Jesus, not only will you experience an unpleasant welcome and not only will you experience the anguish of torment, but you will experience the pain of memory. Verse number 25, uh, we see that Jesus said, Abraham said to him, Son, remember. You know what you will do? You'll remember every sin you've ever committed. You say, Brother Jackie, how is that possible? Because if you don't accept Jesus, your sins are not covered. You'll, for, you'll remember every sin you've ever committed. You'll remember every time you used God's name in vain. You'll remember every time that you said or done something you shouldn't have done. You will remember sitting in church, sleeping through the sermon, saying to yourself, I want to get out of here. I don't want to hear this stuff. You'll remember that. You'll remember every, invita every invitation that was given for you to come to Christ and you denied it. You'll remember every time you walked out of the presence of God and laughed in his face. You'll remember every prayer that somebody's prayed for. You will remember every invitation that somebody gave you to go to church with them, but you had something else to do. You will remember all this stuff. You'll remember can you imagine being in that place and forever remembering, remembering, remembering you had a chance, you had an opportunity, but you only live for this world. You only live for yourself. You had a million other things to do. You didn't give God a time of day. You wasn't a spiritual leader for your wife. You wasn't a spiritual leader for your children. You will remember everything you've ever done 
that you rejected God while you were on this earth. You'll remember that. But not only will you remember that, but you will be in a place where the echo of lost opportunity will be. Can you imagine walking into hell and hearing people scream out forever and ever and ever with a painful scream at the bottom of their, at the bottom of their lungs screaming out, if I just had one more chance. Lost opportunity. Luke chapter 16 and verse 25 says, but Abraham said, son, remember that in your what? Lifetime. You, you, you received good things, but Lazarus didn't. What he was saying is, son, you had the same opportunity he had, but you wasted it. Can you imagine? I can imagine in my mind walking into that place and hearing people saying, let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. And they would be screaming, let me in throughout of eternity. You remember in Noah's day? God told Noah to build an ark. And when God told Noah to build an ark, he told him, Noah, I want you to build an ark for a place of safety. And I want you and your family to be in this ark. I'm going to flood the world with, with water. And I want you to go out and I want you to build that ark. Now, ladies and gentlemen, remember this. It had never rained before. There had never been a drop of rain that had fallen from the sky when Noah began to build the ark. Everything on this earth was watered from underneath it. And everybody laughed at him. And everybody mocked him and made fun of him. That's a crazy old man. What's he talking about? Raining. He preached to them for 120 years. Can you see it? He's building the ark. He's telling them, ladies and gentlemen, come to God. Trust God. Turn from your wicked ways. God is going to judge the earth. And they're all making fun of him. That's a crazy old man. Don't pay attention. I can see little boys and girls walking past the ark as Noah was building it. And, and they said to their mom and dad, mom and dad, what's that man doing? Oh, don't pay attention to that old crazy man. He, he talks crazy stuff. If you see him on the street... Go to the other side. The Bible says there came a day when God told Noah, go into the ark, you and your family. And the Bible says that God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door, God did. Can you imagine that moment when God said to Noah, Noah, go to the ark. And Noah gets his wife and his, his daughters and his son-in-laws and they go into the ark and God shuts the door. And everybody's standing on the outside. And they're thinking to themselves, what's wrong with this crazy old man? What's that that just fell on my arm? It's coming down more. What is that? It's water falling out of heaven. That's never happened before. What's happening? The rain begins to flood, pour. People are standing, beginning to question what's going on. 
The water begins to cover the earth. It gets up to the ankles. It rises to the knees. People are beginning to question what's going on. It rises to their waist. They begin to go to the door of the ark. Beat on the door, Noah, Noah, let us in. Let us in, Noah, we want in. And the water continues to rise while they're beating on the door of the ark. Can you imagine hearing them in hell? Let me in, Noah. Noah, I want in. Noah, please open the door. Noah, Noah, whatever you do, open the door. Noah, me and my family won't in. But you have to realize that Noah didn't shut the door and Noah can't open the door. God did that. I can imagine hearing the echoes of lost opportunity. Someone screaming out to the top of their voice, 30 pieces of silver I used. I took 30 pieces of silver. I let that money get me and I denied the Lamb of God. I can imagine a king called King Agrippa screaming out, I was almost persuaded. Paul almost talked me into being a Christian. I was that close. Oh God, for another opportunity. Oh God, for another chance. No more opportunities. No more chances. Men, I'm going to hit you hard. Ladies, I'm going to hit you hard. A lot of y'all and a lot of people watching me by television and internet and radio, you got your kids involved in a million things. Nothing wrong with being involved. But when the things that you're involved in keeps your kids away from Jesus... You'll regret that one day. You'll regret that one day. Your little boy, your little girl will look at you one day and say, Dad, why didn't you tell me? Mom, why did you think everything else was more important? Why why did we forget God? Mom, there's no more chance for us. There's no more opportunity for me. Why? Why did you do that? And then the plea for lost souls will be screamed out from hell. Lost people, you'll be in that place saying things like this, Oh God, don't let my son, don't let my daughter, don't let my friend come to this place. Do whatever you got to do, God, to keep them out of here. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 16, verse 27, he said, I, would you send somebody to my father's house? I've got five brothers that, that I want you to go tell them. Whatever you do, I want you to go warn them so that they don't come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What that means is they got Brother Jack and Dr. Crane. Let them listen to them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one came to them that had died and risen from the dead, 
they will repent. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Look at me, ladies and gentlemen. There has been one that has rose from the dead. And his name is Jesus. And if you won't listen to Jesus, you probably won't listen to me. And then think about the company you'll keep. When you go to that place, think about the company you'll keep. Think about being in a place that you're not welcome. Think about the place of anguish. But think about the company you'll keep. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, he says, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So we know the devil and his demons are going to be there. And then the Bible says, all the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and the liars, every one of them will have their part in the lake of fire. And you would say to yourself, Brother Jackie, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm better than that. All the derelicts of the world is in this place and here you are. You're there and you say, I'm not like them. But the Bible says, whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Can you imagine the company you'll keep for eternity? If you could think of the worst person that this world has ever produced, that's who will be with you in that place. No godliness, no love, none of this will be real to you. You'll be keeping company with the worst of the worst. Every adulterer, every child molester, every rapist, every thief, every person that has an evil in their heart, that's who you'll keep company with throughout all of eternity. And then the finality of your decision. You see, once you breathe your last breath, it's final. It's final. There is no other opportunity for you. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 16, besides all this, there's a great guff that is fixed so that they which would pass from over here to over there can't, and neither can you go to them. You know what that means? Once you're there, you don't get out. Once you're there, you don't get out. Now, here's the thing that you got to remember. Nobody's promised tomorrow. You would say, now, Brother Jackie, that's a pretty heavy message. It sure is. It's a heavy message. But it's a biblical one. That message is straight from the Word of God. Now, people don't want to hear it. People don't want to talk about it. And it would be much more popular for me to give you a feel good and send you on your way. But somewhere, somehow, sometime, you'll step into eternity. And you don't have 
to go to that place. The bottom line is a powerful bottom line. You don't have to go to that dreadful place. You don't have to spend your eternity there. Well, what do you do? You come to Jesus right now before it's too late. That's what you do. You come to Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 17, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that's the church, say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that's a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life. Somebody tell me. Now look at me and listen to me. You remember what I talked about that in hell you'll beg for a drop of water? You'll never be thirsty in heaven. The Bible tells in us in heaven there is a river flowing from the throne of God. You'll never be thirsty in heaven. You'll always have your, your thirst quenched in heaven because Jesus is the water of life. Can you imagine the opposite? Isn't it interesting that the illustration of hell is you'll beg for a drop of water. In heaven, you'll never thirst again. In God's side, you'll always have the water of life. On the devil's side, you won't even have a drop of water. And the Bible says that you can come and drink of the water of life freely. In other words, it don't cost you a dime. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all for you. And all you have to do is come to Christ. Come to Christ. That's all you got to do. You say, Brother Jack, I want to come, but there's too many people here. If I were you, I wouldn't let that stand in my way. You're not promised another moment. You'd say, Brother Jack, I, I want to come, but I'll do it next Sunday. You may not have next Sunday. You may say, Brother Jack, I want to do it, but I just don't think I can live up to the Christian life or join the club. None of us can. That's why we need Jesus in our life. We can't do it on our own. But with Christ, you can do it. You're one decision away from having it all finalized. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Christ? All you have to do is open your heart. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and my life. Religion won't get you there. You can be in church every Sunday from now until you die and still go to hell when you die. Your good works won't get you there. People say, well, Brother Jack, I'm a pretty good person. I, I don't do what I used to do. God doesn't measure grace on a curve. You don't, you don't earn your way to heaven because no matter how hard you try, you'll always fall short. None of us is good enough to go there, but Jesus made a way, and he made a way at the cross. And there on that cross of Calvary, he died for our sins. And he offers to you and I, will you let me become your savior? 
If you'll open your heart and invite me in, you'll never have to worry about hell again. You'll never have to worry about where you'll spend eternity. I'll settle all that for you. But you've got to come. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come all over this building. I'm going to invite you to do something that's unusual, something that's hard. Every person that Jesus called in the Bible, he called them publicly. If you'll study your Bible, every person that Jesus said, will you come and follow me? He did it publicly. There was no private decisions. And today we're going to call you publicly. Now there's churches all over America that say, oh, you can't do that no more. You can't give an invitation for people to come. You'll make them uncomfortable. Well, if you're lost and undone without Jesus, I pray you're already uncomfortable. And I believe that the way you get comfortable is to know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. So today, I want to bow you, ask you to bow your heads all over this place. Our ministers are going to come. And as they come down front, I'm going to invite you to do something. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to give you a chance to do something. If you're hearing God has spoken to your heart and you know that you need Jesus in your heart, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right where you are. Unashamedly, stand to your feet. Just take a moment, stand up, say, I need Jesus. God bless you. Anybody else? This is your moment standing all over this building. God bless you. Others, others, I know people are watching and listening. Just stand up. God bless you. Others. Now, while everybody else's head's bowed and you're standing, I want you to keep standing for a moment. If you mean what you say and you would like to come and just make this public that you want to change life, and we want to invite you to come to do that, I want you to say to those people beside you, excuse me, and I want you to step out from your, where you're standing and just come down here, and we're going to pray for you. Just come right now. They'll move. God bless you, others. They'll move. They'll pray with you. God bless you, others that need to come. People are coming. Maybe today you want to join the church. Why don't you come to Christ? Why don't you come and do that today? Come and make that decision. Thank you, Marcia. Go with her. Come with her. Anybody else, you come. Ma'am, God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to help you. Deanna, would you pray with us? Keith, let, let Deanna pray with her. Just encourage her a minute. People are making decisions that will matter in eternity. You can do that today. Would you stand if you'd like to come? Maybe you've got a son or a daughter that you need to pray for. A mom or a daddy that you need to pray for. This is your moment to come to this altar and pray for them. While people are coming all over this building, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing together. Let's sing this old song together as people are making their decision for Jesus today.